Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run days. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy Hey guys, welcome back to another Mobile-rific episode of Fan Holes Mobile Suit Mondays Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek Derek WC, joining you tonight, and joining me are three, count them, three of my fellow White Base crew members. Why don't you guys all give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and the man, they didn't build a space wall around Earth to keep all the space immigrants out? <laughs> this is Justin, and I have space waffles. Hey guys, this is Tony, and uh, if I had the instruction sheet for the Gundam, I know all of his seven transformation modes. Oh my god! So, tonight we oh. are discussing episode seven of the original Mobile Suit Gundam, which is titled The Core Fighters Escape. The original Japanese air date, for those of you keeping track of such minutia, was on May 18th in 1979, and of course, the English dub that aired on Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, what have you, aired on July 31st, 2001. And of course, we, we open up on the same intro, setting up the show and the one-year war. And of course, we get the title card featuring the true star of this episode, Bandai's model toy kit for the Core Fighter, which is titled The Core Fighter's Escape. And we open on the white base, which is still airborne, and the main crew members like Sela and Ryu looking after some of the wounded or sickly refugees. And of course, Haro is kind of being a little bit bothersome, and Hayato tells him to calm down and stop bugging all these old fogies. And meanwhile, Frau Bo is basically making sure everything is good with all these folks that they're tending to, putting blankets on them and whatnot. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Lieutenant Reed and Bright are arguing over whether or not to drop off these evacuees, young kids and old folks, in Xeon-controlled territory. Amuro suggests to Bright that maybe they can launch the FF-X7 Core Fighter, which you can purchase from Bandai and get model kits. <laughs> Wink. Actually, like, I, 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 there was so much, like, 
model kit stuff in this that or at least there, there was so much reference to the core fighter in this i started like looking up like i go i wonder what vintage toys there were of like the core fighter and like i did go through a whole bunch of like model kits and stuff and i think in like the second rx78 model kit it, it actually had the you know the separation with like a little core fighter it seems like the core fighter is always like some kind of accessory if not an outright you know, model kit for somebody to buy or whatever. So you, it seemed like this was, and 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 the other thing too is there, there's not going to be too much talk from me about movie dubs and and the tie-ins to the the Mobile Suit Gundam movies because kind of like last episode where it, it only touched on a little bit, like only a few snippets and scenes had to do with the the movie version, like. This episode, like, it, it must have been like, Tomino was like, fucking Bandai making me sell the fucking toys, cut the <laughs> shit out of my fucking movie, you know, because it's like, there's really like, as far as I can tell, like, I mean, it almost jumps over like this completely and goes right into, like, I think the the episodes with like Garma and his spacesuit and, and all that kind of stuff, but... But I I know I know you guys probably have a lot to say about all the old fogies and everything. But like, what's your kind of? I mean, do you share my impression that this is like one big, like toy commercial episode, or what are your guys' thoughts on this so far? Well, I, I know that like a lot of you know that I used to have a rather large mobile suit and action collection. Sadly, it's gone the way of time, and it, it's no longer with me. But just like as I was watching like the first few minutes of this, it was like they showed the Xeon radar aircraft. I'm like. All right, tick the box, had that. And they showed, like, the uh, fucking Xeon fighter jets. And I'm like, okay, tick the box, had that. And they're like, hey, your, uh, you know, your core fighter can launch from the white base, but also it should be okay because it was made, you know, sturdy enough to launch the gun pair. And I'm like, gun pair, you know, click the box, had that. <laughs> I was like, awesome. damn, they're just, like, <laughs> doing all the toys. <laughs> yeah, I saw there was, like, some kind of special toy set where it was, like, the RX-78 and then, like, it, it wasn't, they, it, I think it was the RX-78, and what is it, the, the thing that Tamino hates? The the, the G-Armor. Yeah, the G-Armor. It was like a set with, like, like the RX-78 and the G-Armor. Yeah, it was like a, a tank. Yeah, yeah and, and I did notice as part of that set, like, it comes with a little core fighter, you know, as, like, an accessory. So I was like, oh, man, the you know, the core fighter gets, like, a lot of action and stuff like that. Or there, there there are some cool blogs where they show, like, these really detailed model kits. But I think that the one blog I thought was kind of cool was he kept picturing the, the core fighter with Sayla because she ends up using it a lot later in the series and stuff like that. So I think he, he, he kind of appropriated it as, like, her vehicle more than, than Amaro's, even though Amaro's the one doing all the flying in this episode and everything. I, I do know that there's also in the 70s, maybe early 80s, not Soul of Chogokin, but there was a Chogokin release of Gundam that actually did feature the core fighter gimmick as well. It's a very blocky, like very 70s toy. Yeah, they, they even made like just a regular toy. All die cast, heavy as shit. Take your that. Hi, this is Mike with another installment of Fanholes Figure That. Today I'll be reviewing a figure from the Robot Damashi, or Robot Spirits line, the Gundam Kimaris of the series Iron-Blooded Orphans. As I record this, Iron-Blooded Orphans is halfway done with its second season, and I will try to avoid spoilers for it in general. I will say that the Gundam Kimaris is piloted by one Gileo Baudouin, one of the chief antagonists in IBO. This power, the performance, 
more than I expected. Then again, I wouldn't have pulled this antique out of our family treasury if I didn't think it was good! Gailio, or Gali Gali, as the main character Mikazuki nicknamed him because he couldn't properly pronounce his name, is basically a character in the mold of Garma Zabi from the original Mobile Suit Gundam series. He serves as a pair and best friend of Megillus Farid, the Shar homage, clone, XP, whatever you want to call it, of the series, and ultimately hits some of the same story beats as Garma did. I actually like and sympathize with Gailio a lot more than I did with Garma, because while he does possess those aristocratic airs that Garma did, Gailio is not quite as arrogant or haughty as him, and is actually kind of approachable and good-natured to a certain point. In fact, Megillus, the Shar guy, is actually the one who has a habit of playing with a strand of his hair in this series, not Gailio, the Garma guy. In whatever case, his main suit in the first season, the Kimaris, is one of only two IBO figures in the Robot Damashi line thus far. The other one is quite obviously the main Gundam of the series, Barbados. So once I got the Barbados, of course I decided I needed something for it to fight. The Kimaris RD is its most basic form. It does undergo two upgrades in the first season, but this figure only represents its first appearance. And its appearance actually reminds me of another suit from the original Mobile Suit Gundam, the Gyan, piloted by Makuve. The Mobile Suit Gun was developed especially for me. As a man, I need to prove myself to Lady Cassilia. Its color scheme is almost entirely lavender and purple, and its overall aesthetic is that of some kind of ancient knight, just like the Gan. It comes with three pairs of swappable hands, the usual, you know, weapon-holding hands, closed fists, and open palm, sort of relaxed hands. As far as weapons go, it has its signature Gungnir lance, a foldable short sword, and swappable parts to replicate the buzzsaw launchers on its shoulder. The buzzsaw launcher parts are just two open hatches to plug in and then two buzzsaws with a tab attached so it looks like it's firing out of the hatches. It's not something I'm too excited about, but it's nice to have the option, I guess. The short sword folds in half and is supposed to be Kamaris' last resort weapon if it loses its lance. There's a little slide-out slot to store it on the back waist armor. The big deal, though, is the Gungnir lance, which is huge. Like, sometimes I get annoyed with accessories in this line and the old mobile suit and action line, because they seem a little under or oversized, but the Kamaris' lance is pretty much perfect. It's about 50% taller than the Kamaris itself when you hold them side by side, and it looks intimidating as hell. You have to unplug the handle of it to fit the Kamaris' weapon holding hand onto it, and then plug the bulk of the lance back on top. And while it looks amazing, its size and length might be something of a problem in terms of stability. So far mine is held up, but the lance is really heavy, and I can see the wrist ball joint of the suit weakening over time. As long as you don't handle the toy too roughly, my Kamaris can hold up the lance without his hand falling off, but if you jostle it enough, the weight of the weapon will cause it to detach at the wrist. So, depending on your specific toy, you might have to dab some glue and let it dry to tighten the tension on the ball joint every now and again. I also kind of wish they gave Kamara some kind of wrist-bent downward hand so it could better hold the lance in a jousting position, but honestly, it's doable with the articulation you already have. Speaking of articulation, Kamaris maintains the high standard of the line. I'm not going to do a whole rundown, but it's got articulation basically everywhere that counts, including a really nice quote-unquote ab crunch, so you can pose it on a stand lunging forward with its lance. The only bit that troubled me a little was the shoulder armor. It's got these sharp fins jutting out of the sides, and while they make for an imposing silhouette when the arms are pointed down, if you raise the arms, the fins come up too, which can look a bit awkward. 
Also, be careful you don't injure yourself on those fins, because damn, they are sharp. Not for little kids. The back and front shells of the lower legs split open and expose poseable thrusters. So you can recreate those scenes where Gileo is zipping around space trying to repeatedly spare the Barbatos on its lance. The thrusters on the Camaris's backpack are also poseable. They swivel up and down. I do kind of wish this toy came with the big thruster backpack that the suit is upgraded with in its second space battle. But I guess that would put this toy over budget or something. But speaking of budget, Kamaras is actually currently one of the cheaper robot Damashi figures out there. I got mine off Amazon for 30 bucks, including shipping, which is about the cheapest price bracket for these things. I've always found with this line that the suits that stray the most from the traditional Gundam design usually make the best toys, and Kamaras definitely agrees with that philosophy. Unfortunately, that's also probably why this toy hasn't sold that well and is comparatively cheap. I guess Golly Golly and his first season suits aren't popular enough with the fans. Lavender and purple unfortunately do not make a badass color scheme. Let go of me, you space rat! That voice. Chocolate guy's friend. I'm Gileo Bodwin! Golly Golly? Are you mocking me now? What does it matter? It's a name that will disappear soon. It's also unfortunate that beyond the Barbatos and the Camaris, there doesn't seem to be any robot Damashi figures from Iron-Blooded Orphans planned in the near future as of this recording. I mean, I'll build the occasional model here and there, but I am at my heart a collector of action figures, not model kits. There are tons of mobile suits in Iron-Blooded Orphans or otherwise that I'd buy as a robot Damashi in a heartbeat, but I guess the market just isn't there right now. Still. I give Robot Damashi Kamaris a thumbs up. A great toy of a distinct design and at a good price and currently probably easy to acquire. A must-have if you're a fan of Iron-Blooded Orphans or Gileo in particular. Now get out there and kill some of those no-good space rats. This has been... Take your that! So basically, at, at this point, Amuro suggests to Bright about launching the core fighter and using the launch catapult for the, the that they normally use for the mobile suits. And before they can decide on the next course of action, the alarm sounds and Ryu reports to Frau Bo and Hayato that the evacuees are getting upset. They rush to see what's wrong. Kai leisurely sits back and gives his tacit approval to try Amuro's idea. Bright isn't sure if it'll work and who's actually going to be able to stand the G-forces from the launch. Amuro volunteers himself as the pilot and both Bright and Lieutenant Reed approve the plan so Amuro can try to contact headquarters to secure Whiteface some reinforcements. Back at Gamma Base, or I'm um, at Gamma Base, anyway. Back at Garma's <laughs> base of operations... Are they Hulkbusters or I, something? I, I just watched a couple episodes of <laughs> Avengers Assembled, so it must be like on my brain or whatever. Red Hulk and, and, and Green Hulk were beating the hell out Summon of the Summon the bad droids! Yeah, exactly. Kai ate chars like space pickles. <laughs> <laughs> so back at Garma's base of operations... He and his technicians review the specifications of the RX-78 Gundam and realize that the mobile suit is far superior to their own suits. And you can also pick it up at retailers everywhere. Wink! Char and... <laughs> he realizes the best Christmas gift for 1979. <laughs> Char enters the room and he and Garma don't plan to give the white Base crew much of a respite and instead intend to press on their attacks. 
As Amuro prepares to launch and eats his last meal before departing, Hayato, Sela, and Ryu burst onto the bridge, reporting all the old geezers are rebelling and intend to hold the children hostage until Whiteface lands. Frau Bo has even elected to remain a hostage just so she can tend to the children in this tense standoff situation. Hayato calls Amuro out since he is more focused on his upcoming mission instead of being concerned for Frau Bo, who makes him all kinds of desserts all the time. I gotta, I gotta say, I gotta say though, that one thing was really annoying because they're like jumping on Amuro, but there's that guy doing the briefing, and he's like, "That's some pretty fucked up shit going on over there, huh?" So, how old are you? Yeah, those guys are really yelling at each other. So, uh, you, uh, you uh, eat today? Yeah, you're about to go out of a mission, man. Those old guys are getting really pissed off. Anyway, so, uh, how, what's your blood type? I'm like, he's being an <laughs> asshole too. <laughs> He's like, make, make sure you don't eat, eat, eat some food, but don't eat too much, because you might throw up, but eat a little bit, but not that much. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Amaro basically at that point heads out to the flight hangar saying if the, you know, he, he kind of thinks the situation is in good hands, and the capable hands of Sela and Bright and people like that. So he, he kind of blows off Hayato, or, or at least, I don't know, maybe in some ways he's trying to console him, but he's like, look, I, I trust you guys, like, I, but I gotta go do this this other thing, you know, I gotta go launch in the core fighter and try to get us some reinforcements so the whole ship doesn't, you know, isn't put in danger and everything like that. But you know what? What's weird? I don't know if if this is if this is something that'll open up some discussion about these old fogies. But basically, like, you know, what's weird to me is like we just had an episode where they were like tending to you know, the civilians and stuff like that. And and it, it's not bad that they're focusing on it. I mean, this is probably part of the whole real robot genre, you know, that they're dealing with sort of, you know, civilian, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, casualties or, or, or just, you know, collateral damage and, and those kind of themes. But the, the thing that kind of drove me nuts is it seems like, like, I, I know you guys were making fun of it, saying, like, oh, look, you know, Wilford Brimley's, like, leading the standoff <laughs> with these these old people, you know, going, like, we want to get off the white face because it's the right thing to do, you know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's, like, if, if going with that example, I feel like last episode, like, Christopher Lee was hanging out with his, his grandson. And now all of a sudden, what the fuck happened to Christopher Lee? Now all of a sudden it's fucking Wilford Brimley? Like, where the fuck was Wilford <laughs> Brimley the last two or three episodes? You know, like, it's like, it's got like a whole different cast of like, you know, evacuees and stuff all of a sudden. And it kind of, it kind of throws you like when you're, when you're sort of paying attention to this show in, in such minute detail and everything. I, I don't know what your guys' take on the whole thing was, but that, that was kind of something that stood out to me. I was amazed that they were so like injured and, and shocked by their ordeal on White Bay so far that none of them could be animated in like the first scene. <laughs> yeah, it's just a big matte painting of them or something. <laughs> yeah, everybody just interacting with them. And they're just like, yeah, that's better. There's your blanket. The guy's just standing perfectly still. Like, yes, I was called. <laughs> the old people in this episode, they're like so irritating and whiny and kind of like self-centered. Like, I, th I, I think they're like, millennials like all grown up and shit like they kind of like get on my nerves <laughs> yep i'm entitled to stuff because i'm here <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's weird too because i it's like they they try to present them as having a valid point of view which is you know well geez we understand like you don't want to be 
in the middle of this war zone on a battleship. And, like, I think the crew all gets that, you know? I mean, Bright seems pretty understanding about it. But at the same time, it's kind of like, it's like one of those things where it's like, I feel really uncomfortable going at, like, 130 miles an hour on the Autobahn in this, like rickety car that could fall apart at any minute and it's like yeah but guess what if we stop and pull over on the autobahn we're on the road with like walking dead zombies and stuff like and you're just kind of like do you do you want to do that or would you rather just get through the autobahn away from the walking dead zombies and then worry about the rickety car, you know, like, I, I don't know. It just, it seems like, yeah, it's like, basically they're like, you know, Hey, do you want, like, you're in the middle of a war zone, which would you rather be on white base with a Gundam, like the most powerful robot that the earth Federation has or on a couch. Cause the couch isn't going to help. <laughs> you know? And it's a Xeon occupied couch. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, it's like, do you, do you want a green couch? <laughs> do, do you, do you want to be a Nazi controlled, Germany with a couch or would you rather be on like a rickety sea boat you know headed to the United States you know it's like yeah you may drown on the way to the United States but it's got to be a hell of a lot better than- I, I also feel like it's like they they, they they're like we want to go like set foot on earth and I, I'm like like dudes you guys realize that earth is a massive place like we, like if we just put you like set you down like we could set you down in the middle of like the Serengeti right now or something like good luck bye like I hope you get to where you're going like uh, but I wanted to go to Mississippi like yeah well you're in Africa now good luck <laughs> Nasmadania, you're in fucking, you know, Moscow. Have a good night. <laughs> it's like nothing like all of those guys couldn't have possibly been from the same exact region, basically. <laughs> so but, but... Space Brimley's like, I would have liked to have seen Montana. <laughs> <laughs> My husband. Anyway. <laughs> Like, I don't know, lady. Maybe he he didn't want to see you. Maybe that's why he stayed on Earth and sent you to like side eight. <laughs> yeah. I, I I was like, why? I was like, why is your husband on Earth and you were on yeah colony? Like that seems like a like at your age. Like it seems like like either of you could die at any time. Like, <laughs> Gives new meaning to like bang zoom straight to side seven. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, Space Alice. Pow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right in the Minoski particle. <laughs> My grandson. I haven't seen him at all since I left her. I want to see the town I grew up in. And the river nearby. Please, I was separated from my husband. I have to see him. Listen, no one said that we wouldn't be landing on the Earth. How long will it be? Tell me exactly. How long will it be until we're able to walk on the ground? Amuro and Kai at this point share some tense words before his takeoff. The Xeon patrols keeping tabs on the white base report to Garma and Shar that the Trojan horse is again on the move. Shar quickly deduces their intent is to contact the other Federation forces for support. As the countdown to the core fighter launch nears completion, Bright leads Sela, Ryu, and Hayato into the standoff with weapons drawn. Amuro launches into a trajectory to go right over the Xeon forces. Shar and his right-hand man, Dren, go after the core fighter in the Komusai. 
The leader of the old fogey standoff, old Space Wolford Brimley, says he doesn't want to hurt Fralvo, Kika, Let's, or Cats, but that they just want to know the truth of what's going on. Bright has his team holster their sidearms as a show of good faith. The old people want to know exactly how long it's going to be before the white base lands on Earth so they can reunite with their families and loved ones. So yeah, this is kind of more what we're talking about. They have all these kind of... Re- I don't want to say they're reasonable, but I mean, they, they, they sort of have understandable wants and needs, but they, they sort of put their needs over like uh, it's kind of like in that whole you know hierarchy of of needs it's like you know you've got like the whole like you know food shelter security you know all that kind of stuff and it seems like they're putting like certain levels of the hierarchy above security you know where it's just like you know wait until we're in like you know federation occupied territory like do, do you really think like your husband or your, you know, even if it's like, I I know we were joking about it. Like, you know, the person said they wanted to see their husband again and, you know, space Alice and all that stuff. But I mean, if if you think about it literally, like maybe these refugees or these evacuees got onto white base, but maybe other people on side seven got onto other ships and also made their way back to earth. So it's like that whole thing of like, you know, you know, the the whole scenes in like these disaster movies where all these people meet up at like, you know, a stadium somewhere. And it's like, look, will we find my daughter? And it's like, mommy, mommy, and all that bullshit. You know, like, I, I get it. Like, that's what they're kind of where their head's at. But but then like what you guys are saying, it's like if you drop them off in the Sahara Desert, is that going to happen? Probably not. You know, so it's kind of funny. Well, not only that, but it's like, you know, we're on episode seven of this. All these refugees have been on white base since, you know, the show started. And it's like, they're asking, you know, what's going on and everything. I understand they don't know the the minute details of the white base's mission. But, you know, at some point they have to like, you know, you think the, the, the little light bulb will go off. Oh, yeah, we keep getting attacked a lot. And people keep shooting at us. Maybe that's stalling our progress. You know, it's like, it's like, when will we land? It's like, I don't know. Ask the fucking Zeon. We'll quit shooting at us for five fucking seconds. I, I, I was kind of like, like all, all Char would have had to do was like broadcast a message. Like all you like old refugees, like take over the ship and we'll get you back home. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew it wouldn't work. Can we talk about how much of a massive prick Kai is in this episode? Like, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Like, every line he has is just, like, needling it, like, Amaro or Bright or, like, yeah. anyone. My, my avatar it, will be explained by Derek soon, but, yeah, Kai's a bitch in this episode. Yeah. And I like how, like, I, I forgot if it was in that scene where Amaro leaves or not, but, like, uh, like Kai, like, shoots a jab at him, and Amaro's like, Kai, you're an adult. Like, grow up. Like, and I was like, no, he's not. Isn't he, like, the same age as Amaro? Like... Well, he was yeah, maybe he, a year older or two. He he's he's at least a couple years older. Maybe maybe it's like one of those things where like he's he's seventeen or eighteen and Amro's fifteen. Maybe you know, like I don't know. Yeah. So to, to Amro, he's he's like an adult. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like I, I think yeah, I remember like, that. He's, line, he's not like he's, that he's much like, older. Yeah, yeah. But like Kai's like, oh yeah. So like you know, Amro could be our martyr. He's like, I'm not going to die on purpose, you asshole. Well, like even when even when Mirai like can't contact Amuro 
on the on the radio and everything. I mean, Kai just kind of was like, oh, well, I guess he fucking got shot down. You know, like, fuck him. You know, kind of thing. So you're like... I think, like, I, think I mentioned it on a previous episode, but, like, Kai really reminds me of Rat Trap. Like, especially, like, early season one Rat Trap, where he's, like, cynical and... He's, you know, he has no faith in every anything. He's like, we're all going to die. You know, he doesn't trust like their leader. Yeah. So and then eventually, like, he kind of goes through the same character arc. But unlike Rat Trap, Kai becomes cool in his older age, whereas Rat Trap becomes the stupid wheelchair rat thing. (laughs) That's what I was thinking, because, like, I know it's like, you know future spoilers of stuff that is to come or whatever but i i remember being so like it it made sense but i remember being so shocked the first time i saw kai in zeta gundam you know like where you're just like holy shit like he he you know it's like (laughs) this guy it's like he's not a little shit anymore like he finally out you know it's like that whole that that whole debate over like Clockwork Orange, like whether they're just gonna be, you know, thugs and gang rats and 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 never learn the error of their ways. But if you like read the actual novel, there's that last chapter where they finally wake the fuck up and go, oh, all this in out in out, you know, gang shit is ridiculous. Like I've got to grow up and be a fucking adult, you know. And it's like eventually Kai comes to that, but yeah, there's there's plenty of examples. I mean, especially in this episode, but even later in the series where you're just like, yeah, he is kind of a a sniveling little shit, you know, when when it comes to, you know, I guess him just being I mean, he's kind of like a personified version of what some of these older folks that just want off the ship are like except for yeah they probably think they're like they don't care yeah like he does yeah well it's like he kind of knows he's stuck on the ship but he's he's really he he goes out of his way to sort of you know poke the bear you know like you know figuratively speaking or whatever (laughs) and one of the bears pokes back this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you know i i just rewatched the gundam unicorn like i watched the series edit and, you know, Kai has a few, like, very small cameo appearances on that. And, like, watching watching that and then watching him in this, it's, like, almost two different characters because, you know, like, you know, future spoilers. But, like, whenever he shows up on Unicorn, he's, like, he's dressed in a suit. He's very calm. And he's, like, it's like he's, like, you know, sitting in, like, a library. It's It's kind of like you expect him to, like introduce masterpiece theater he's like oh hello there but he, you know he's just kind of like you know he's like oh you guys like here's the information you need and i'll try to do this for you and then you kind of you you like you watch that and you jump back and watch like you know a few episodes of like og gundam and you're like man is that even the same character because that's, that's such a drastic transformation but like he really grew up I like, yeah, like in Unicorn, it's kind of like, even like his insults have like grown up where I forgot he gives like Bright some information in Unicorn and then like he signs off with like, you got a tough decision, like Captain Bright, it really sucks to be you right now. And then like he signs (laughs) off like. So speaking of, speaking of Bright, Mirai ends up calling Bright back to the bridge immediately because Char is on his way to intercept the core fighter and we see that Amuro has passed out from the G-forces of the catapult. And then we cut to show a commercial break. Greetings, podcast listener. 
Do you like? Gotcha, or maybe? Dragon Play! How about? Tatsuo! Ganido! Or? In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember? Our Star Blazers! Or this? The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Team, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. That terrible moment in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. And then when we're back from the, the commercial break, Bright is now back on the bridge, and he orders support for the poor fighter. And Kai fires missiles at the Komosai. Char tells Dren not to get spooked by the missile fire from White Base and to stay on target for the poor fighter. Luckily, Amuro is beginning to regain consciousness and gets word from Sela that the Komusai is on its way to intercept him. Just then, the Komusai opens fire on the core fighter. Char's fan aura is maintained with some flimsy-ass explanation that the sights on the Komusai are not aligned properly, so <laughs> Amuro doesn't immediately get hit with the first salvo of gunfire. Amuro then notices that the Komusai is designed as a re-entry capsule and was never built with air combat in mind. So Amuro loops around in the core fighter and opens fire on Char and Dren and eventually scores a direct hit on the Komusai. As the Komusai dives away, a squadron of DOP fighters get Amuro's attention. The White Base is unable to fire their own missiles on the DOPs without hitting the Core Fighter in the attempt. Since Amuro can't take on all six DOP fighters, he is called back to the White Base. So, I don't know if you guys want to talk about this. I mean, this... I mean, I know we're, you know, kind of joking about the toy stuff, but... I mean, this kind of sold it as exciting. I mean, this was kind of a cool little sequence and everything that, you know, it was kind of like an engaging dog fight, you know, like I, I kind of enjoyed that part of this. I, I think the, the only thing that like kind of threw me out for a second, it did get really fun, like after this one little moment, but after Amuro like kind of comes to and stuff, 
he is waggling that fucking joystick like my mom playing Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo, just like, whoa. <laughs> 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 like, how does this work? <laughs> Make plane fly now. <laughs> but yeah, but the, I, I, I will say one thing, though, Derek, what you were kind of saying about, like, Char, like, kind of complaining about the sights on the Omasai. Even with that, though, I mean, like, even Amuro says that's just a, a space reentry craft. It's not even a, a combat ship. And even with that, Char is still a, a threat. You know, he's like giving this like core fighter a little bit of a run for his money. So that's, that was actually pretty cool. It's kind of like if Amuro's in a tank and then Char's like in a little two wheeler bicycle or something, but he's owning the tank. Yeah, yeah, with like a handgun. It's like, ha ha, take this, ha ha, take this. <laughs> but, and like, Amuro's actually kind of pissed at being called a back to white base. He wants to fight more. So, you know, th- this is a good commercial for the core fighter, I guess you would say. <laughs> Gundam, what's your level of commitment? So Kai is, of course, gloating, because we were saying what a jerk he's been being this whole time. So Kai's gloating about how he knew all along the plan wasn't going to succeed, which the gloating is suddenly put to an end by a punch to the face from Bright. So it's not a Bright slap, but a Bright punch! And Bright tells him that if he catches him pulling that kind of shit again... He'll toss him right out of the ship. Oscar notes that the core fighter and Amuro are under heavy fire, but they have made it safely back to White Base. Sayla tells Amuro he'll need to have the core fighter transferred directly into the Gundam to go and fight an aerial battle with the incoming Zeon forces. Amuro then launches in Gundam and takes down two of the Dops. Char then deploys in his Zaku to engage the Gundam. The Gundam's Vulcan cannons and beam rifle fire take down two more dops, but Amuro still can't see where Char will strike from. Char finally attacks during their freefall as the old folks make their way to the White Base Bridge and hold a hippy-dippy sit-in until Bright <laughs> agrees to take them ground side. All we are saying is we want Starbucks! <laughs> <laughs> You know what I noticed again, too, this time? I forget what episode it was before, but in, in this episode, when I watched both versions, the the English dub and the Japanese version, like, during the fight sequence, in the Japanese version, the music is different again. It actually, it's really weird, like, if you go, it, like, I, I was toggling back and forth between the, the Japanese and the, the English, it kind of sounds like like John Carpenter's Halloween cuz it's like you, you know what, like what the when, fuck? when yeah it's like when when Char like you know how Char comes out of the Komusai and his Zaku like right around there it's like this kind of eerie piano music like i think it's supposed to be like ominous like you know there there's you know a threat you know a looming threat and and that kind of thing but it it was kind of weird like i i i that was just something i noticed about the whole you know aerial battle sequence because because it, it, it kind of gives it a totally different vibe and feel you know like the tone of the scene totally changes to me and stuff like that and i know i know you guys were jonesing to talk about kai and everything and this is the moment where you know bright finally you know basically pulls a cyclops and you know punches wolverine in the face basically uh yeah it's my avatar this week Kai was such a bitch this whole episode. I'm just like, shut this fucking guy up. And not only do they set it up really well of his bitchiness, 
But the punch just comes out of nowhere. He just like, ha ha ha, snarky comment, whap. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. I, I, I did a hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. I was like, you know, take that, Kai. You, you, I mean, it, it's very rare when you have a main character who's supposed to be a good guy because he is on, he's on the good guy side. You know, just like Rattrop, he may, he may be a asshole, but he's a good guy. But like, sometimes you're just like, dude, you deserve that. You deserve every, every knuckle in your face, you asshole. <laughs> I wasn't the only one who liked that, was I? Was I the only one? <laughs> no, no, of course. He definitely deserved that. And I mean, at, at the very least, like during the combat situation, he seemed like, you know, into it. But when it, whenever, you know, things are going wrong, you, you can count on Kai to find the crap, <laughs> the crap part of the crap, the crappiest part of the crapness going on. <laughs> he finds the meat of the crap sandwich. <laughs> Kai is the guy gardener of White Base. Oh God, he is. <laughs> yeah, kind of seems apropos. I, I was going to say, as far as military stuff, though, it is really kind of cool because in in subsequent subsequent Gundam series, we have a lot of Gundams that are actually predisposed for space and aerial combat, and like Amuro is like. You know, the RX-78 is like, it's made for ground combat. It's like, this is not going to work. And they're like, we believe you and stuff. But the, the cool thing is that Zaku's are made for ground combat too, or space combat. They're not made for in-atmosphere combat. So basically, the whole battle between him and Char is just two of them free-falling. And even like Char at one point is like, I wonder why they call it free-falling, because I feel rather cramped in here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of a cool thing. Is like they're both out of their element, and they're they're trying to fight each other. Yeah, because there's basically, like, the way the fight ends up is, you know, Amuro ends up, like, using all the beam rifle energy, and then and then he gets that one hit, like, right to the fucking face, you know? And, and like, his camera and everything. So he's... I mean, you know, Sharp pretty much, like, takes him out of the fight because, you know, Bright and Sailor are like, dude, you got to come back to White Base and everything, and they're going to lay some some cover fire and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it it's definitely not something that, that ends in Amuro's favor, you know, because he, he's kind of wary of it to begin with. And, I mean, he, he makes it through, but only by the, the skin of his teeth, you know. I'm sure Justice League's really happy that Char got, like, multiple headshots in on the old RX-78. He, like, just nails the shit out of that damn thing. Yeah, that was a nice little scene, like, you know, like Derek described. I was like, man, like, he's just blasting away. It's like, you know, one shot after another, and you, all you see is, like, the top torso of the Gundam was just, like, engulfed in explosions. I was like, whoa. Bringing it legit. <laughs> the Gundam just has more HP. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You sound like a bunch of spoiled brats. So as Char ends up landing groundside, Garma contacts him and advises him to go to the nearest Bandai toy store and immediately buy the toy Gundam <laughs> models. I mean, he advises him that the Gundam is in fact a multi-purpose Federation mobile suit, at which point Char's like, oh... And is like freaking out and everything. And as Char ponders how they can even fight such a weapon, Amuro enters the White Base Bridge to see that, you know, Wilford Brimley and the old folks are still having their sit in. And of course, Kai's like, ah, come on in, like, join the party. Like, we got old folks having a sit in on the, on the bridge. Everything's great. 
And as all these old fogies are pleading to be let off the white face, no matter what territory they're in, no matter if there's like ravenous crocodiles waiting for them to, to you know, get bitten, Amuro tells them what's what and that they're a bunch of spoiled brats. Mirai then takes Amuro away as the old folks finally... It's, it's kind of weird, because I don't know if Amuro telling them that made them leave. Like it, It's like they almost abruptly decide, like, all right, now we're going to go. It's like they were having this sit-in, and it was like a protest, and like they were holding children hostage, but not really. You know, like... I think, I think Halo was just like, oh my god, he's going to kill an old person. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, they, they, they had these stakes and they tried to raise them, but then all of a sudden it was like, it, it's kind of like one of those things where, if you don't let us off the white face, we're going to kill a fucking kid. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We're, we're not really going to kill a kid. We're, we, we, we just kind of, we want to go home. You understand, right? You know, we want to go home. <laughs> if you do not let us off this ship, we will sit on the bridge and fart in your screens until you let us, oh, oh, donuts? Donuts! Come on, guys! Let's all get some fucking donuts! <laughs> you know, it's just it's like, like they just decided like, to leave. Hey, hey Wilford, you know? Wilford, we found, like, cocoons in, the, like, the fucking swimming pool down in the, like, lower level. You want to, like, go take a swim? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like it's, it's like, like they were trying to make something like a conflict, but then it sort of, it's almost like, okay, we, we got to the, you know, the 22-minute mark or whatever. It's time to, it's time to give up the... You know, give up the fight or whatever. <laughs> there's like, there's like a guy off like cameras, like, like wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> and of course, we we end the episode with Amaro, Frau Bo, and the kids, Kika, Let's, and Cats, looking out the window of the bridge of the White Base at the mountainous terrain below. And then we get like the next episode clip, which of course is going to be Winds of War. Who will survive? And that's, I mean, that's pretty much the, the seventh episode, which, again, that does seem a bit like a, a giant toy commercial, and I can understand why Tomino probably excised this out of the movie version. It doesn't really add anything that they haven't already sort of covered. I mean, I, I think I think the previous episode with the, the grandfather and his grandson sort of covered some of that ground a little better and I think that's why it was probably left in the movie whereas this it, this seems to be reiterating stuff and also kind of you know again it, it's like those episodes of Voyager where it's like you know they have like the day players that come on and you're like well where the fuck was this guy for the last seven years and it's like all of a sudden there's like a new face on the bridge and you're like you think by this point you would have seen all the faces you were gonna see but are you calling this a Naomi Wildman episode? Kind of, kind of, like an old Wilford Brimley <laughs> Naomi Wildman episode, you know? At least Naomi Wildman was, like, conceived. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, these are all old people, so they don't even have the yeah. excuse. It's not, like, it's not like there's a bunch of new young people running around <laughs> the white base, you know? It's like, these old, old people were born during the voyage. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, been on this ship for two weeks. <laughs> I'm Wilfred Bradley, and I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here because it's the right thing to do. Oh, my Cotterscott. <laughs> I want to play Cotterscott. Where's Flotter? <laughs> I, I was going to bring up something you brought up, uh, Derek, which is true. Armro's a little tirade against the old people. Well, again, it did get a hell yeah from him because I, I was at that point, like, he was like, God damn, you're so stupid. Quit being stupid, you stupids. At the same time, even though it was kind of nice, and like you said, 
it's kind of like Anakin Skywalker calling somebody whiny, and I'm like, man, that's gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's like Amaro is like, I know. He's like, I am the expert on being uh, a whiny little spoiled bitch. And you old people are a bunch of whiny little spoiled bitches. Yeah, well, we're just like, I just wanted some Quaker Oats. <laughs> I thought that final scene with Char was pretty interesting where Garma tells him, you know, the Gundam is so, so much more awesome than they originally thought. And Char has a little, you know, the anime sweat beat going down his face. And he's like... You mean this thing is even more awesome than we thought, and like it hasn't even realized its full combat potential? And he has like a little tiny like freakout moment, like he did in an earlier episode. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of funny though, because like Derek said, and you said, Justin, Char actually did get the best of Armuro in this. He like you know did deal some damage to the Gundam, but you know I, I guess like you said, you know he was like, haha, I finally got the upper hand. It's like, oh shit, that's like you know like. I guess you would say, like, oh, that's like the Gundam's, like, you know, first transformation. It can also turn into a space shuttle and a train. Shit! Fortress Gundam has come himself. <laughs> it's like Mike in a fighting game, like, totally owns me, but for whatever reason, my life bar is, like, five times as tough as his. So he's like, God damn it! this was a normal game, I would have kicked your ass a long time ago. Uh, it'd be nice if they ever did, like, pop-up Gundam or, like, pop-up video for Gundam, because, like... Garma did a lot of hair flips this episode. He's just like, oh, Char, hair flip. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, like, did you did you take a shot every time Garma twirled his hair? Like, would that would that put anybody in the hospital or would it just make for a evening of fun and debauchery? Oh, yeah, I'm tanked right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that. And I was like, oi, Garma, quit playing what, what your lolly gags. <laughs> <laughs> When Char finally kills Garma, he's going to be like, you can flip your hair in hell now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One of the things I really like about Mobile Suit Gundam is, you know, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Unlike a lot of shows like, you know, kind of like Robotech or, or, you know, even like Power Rangers, I guess. But like, you know, a lot of big robot shows, usually like the good guys are always like at an advantage, even like in Robotech. When the the chips are down, they have the SDF-1. They can shoot the giant, you know, super cannon and all that stuff. But, like, in the first few episodes, well, like, a lot of the first, like, part of Gundam, White Base, they're, like, they're not just refugees. They're, like, renegades. They are never on top. They are, like, always being hunted and stuff. And I always thought that was, like, a really cool idea for a show. It was, like, Gundam is really powerful, but it's just one Gundam. And they're going up against an army, and they're in Zeon-controlled territory. And, like, was that, like, really kind of new at the time? I mean, I know, like, Dorvac kind of did that. It was more of an equal battle. Like, they were fighting, you know, a war against each other, and they had, like, you know, more more mechs instead of just one Gundam. Because, like, the gun cannon and the gun tank usually get pwned pretty easily. It is, like, this idea that, like, White Base, even though it's, like, supposedly the best, you know, Starship and the Gundam is the best mobile suit. They're always on the run. They're actually never taking the fight to the 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 Zeon forces a lot. Is I mean, I always thought that was like kind of a cool idea that we didn't really see back that back then, you know, in the seventies. There is definitely like a sense of like desperation to their situation, and I guess yeah, it probably was kind of considered, you know, like new and I don't know, like 
not sub yeah i guess like subversive at the time in terms of mecha anime that the 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 main cast was like always in this like no win situation for a long time i mean it, and it doesn't follow that formula of the you know what, what we're always talking about the whole super robot genre i mean usually if there was a super robot you know you, you may have the transformations you may have the 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 reveal of you know invincible zambot or whoever the hell it is you know but usually by the time that robot showed up he'd come and pwn whatever the monster was or whatever you know nefarious thing was going on in the background whereas you know yes gundam shows up towards the tail end of this but it's not like he totally decimates sharzaku and then there's some other threat from Zeon the following episode it's like like what you're saying they're they're being pursued and hunted and it's it's kind of a relentless engagement you know especially because they they sort of tricked them you know like their intent was to come into orbit in their own territory but you know Char kind of fooled them you know what I mean so it's like that's that's part of their you know peril and and obstacles that they have to overcome you know to to move on and move forward in the in the course of the the anime and stuff so yeah i mean i would i would say so i think the only similar thing like in that era would probably be space battleship uh, yamato because it kind of has a similar theme where you have like one ship that's very powerful you know they have like that hyper you know mega cannon or whatever it is that the yamato has and it's like it's an enemy territory and it's always being kind of like hunted and stalked. But like, I, I think that's the only, that's the only thing similar, similar in the era that I can think of really. Cool. Yeah. I, I was just wondering about that because like, I think that's what gives Gundam a lot of its realism. Like you said, Derek, this is supposed to be a realistic Mecca. And I, I just happened to be thinking about that day. I was like, that is a part of the realism is like the most powerful mech even though he's supposed to be, like you said, like, you know, in the old series, if this was an older series, the super robot, he, he doesn't just come out and like whip ass and it's like, okay, next week we'll fight Dragon Head and the week after that, Chain Face and all that stuff. It's like Char is like a thorn in their side. He's not just, he's not going anywhere and he doesn't get defeated easily. And it's like, it does have that realism, you know, it's like he, he's a constant threat and, and White Base you know, again, you know, unlike, you know, let's say like Go Lion, not everybody's like, you know, like, hey, we're a team. We all get along. You know, we have assholes like Kai. You know, we have fucking angry Wilford Brimley, you know, from space. who's just like, you know, fuck this shit. I want to want to stand on the ground and play with my Digimons and stuff like that. And it's just it, it's kind of even for the 70s. That was pretty groundbreaking, I think. I think MSG, because I also watched a video this week after I watched this episode again, where they said, like, does Gundam 0079, that's what they call it over here, you know, does it hold up? And I'm like, yeah, it really fucking holds up. You know, there's some cheesy parts. There are. There, there's some cheesy parts because it's an older series. But I say the basic plot and the idea really does hold up, you know. And I know we're not just talking about this episode. I'm talking about the whole series. But like I said, I'm not here often for the Gundam episodes. And I just want to, like, say that, like, you know, I've watched, you know, more than a few episodes with you guys and like this, this show does hold up for what it is. And it's a shame that it like, I guess, wasn't as popular as it could have been because it didn't, you know, have a super long run. It brought a lot, a lot of really cool ideas to the, the, the mecha giant robot genre. 
I, I think that's probably, I mean, probably a good place to take us out as far as praise and, and good-natured talk, you know, with, with lighthearted fun thrown in as far as the, you know, the old folks and, and the Wilford Brimleys of the, the space-noid kind of universe and everything. And if you guys have any other comments, questions, and or concerns that are listening, you can feel free to email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can find the backlog of episodes for Mobile Suit Mondays at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We're on Stitcher Radio, where we can be streamed. We're on iTunes. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and all kinds of social media. We appreciate all the likes, the shares, the retweets, and everything. Everything. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and I don't want to be a space immigrant. Kagome. <laughs> My name is Bright Noah. One punch! <laughs> should have been like uh to lieutenant reed like lieutenant reed like the zeon are approaching and lieutenant reed could have been like prepare the special beam cannon <laughs> it will take five minutes to charge it all right gundam like go get their ship in a full nelson i need to I... land <laughs> I my need diabetes to... is work acting up <laughs> i was i was like man these old people must be like millennials growing up and stuff <laughs> we just want to like get off the ship and land come on man like why won't you let us come on i can't get any cell phone reception on this ship how am i supposed to update spacebook cheers for amaro hip hip hooray Thanks. Now go away and leave me alone.